Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 61. This episode's with Colin Hanks. Uh, we actually recorded this in late December, and the reason I haven't put it up yet is because I had a bunch of time-sensitive podcasts that went up between now and then. So uh, this is the punishment that poor Colin Hanks gets for having an episode that was not time-sensitive. Uh, but it was a fantastic episode, and he was super cool, and so I'm glad to be able to finally put it up. Uh, I also want to ask you to join our Facebook group, like us, facebook.com slash Nerdist. Ah, do it. It's a push of a button, for crap's sake. Also, uh, I would like to welcome back our sponsors from last week, Falcon Northwest Computers. Hooray! It's just me here clapping. So, these are goodly nerds working in the Pacific Northwest. They will custom build a computer for you if you want a desktop or a laptop PC. Um, If you want it customized with artwork, they will do that for you. These obviously are computers for game players, content creators, business people, any type of PC you want. They've been doing this for almost 20 years. They actually build them by hand. They will support them. They're not on some ridiculous assembly line. These guys take time and care, and they follow your instructions. And they're nice. There's nothing better than nice nerds in the world, in my opinion. So uh, what would be great, if you're in the market for a computer, go to falcon-nw.com. Check it out. Look at all the reviews. They've been reviewed by so many companies uh, and given like five out of five stars and editor's choice picks that uh, your, your brain will literally start to seep out of your ear in amazement. And then you can stuff it back in and then you can figure out what kind of computer you want. So again, falcon-nw.com. These are good dudes. They have great computers. Falcon Northwest Computers, masters of handcrafted silicon. And now on to the Nerdist Podcast number 61 with the very patient and delightful uh, Mr. Colin Hanks. You're nice. Now entering Nerdist.com. All that gold? I have to All redo the God farting thing. Could now? you please make the thunder happen again <laughs> so I can yell at Janet? Hold on. I'll call my friend Storm. Paul and. and... <laughs> uh, oh, you mean Storm, the X Man, Storm. Oh. <laughs> From the X Men. Yeah, the X Men. From the X Men. <laughs> the X Men program. 
Uh, Colin Hanks is here. Colin Hanks, hey! Yay! Yay! The CH off, as you said in your email. Not only is it a CH off, but I'm also noticing that you've got a, a, a light up globe mm-hmm. that has the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics on it. I have one as well. <laughs> I keep hoping they'll go back. So it's a globe. C-H off. Wow. That's what I'm saying. This is epic. I better get out of the way. This just got got a shade darker. I'm telling you. This got deeper and deeper. I'm bringing it to a dark place. This this will probably go up after the new year, but right now the sky has opened up uh, and has rained apocalypse all over Los Angeles today. If you saw the road... It's, quite, it's looking like that outside. It's not so much piss pouring; it's just pissing just all over. A all lot of, of piss everywhere, and we live up on a hill, so it's sort of like we can sort of look down at everything. But getting up here is is like uh, you would need a canoe almost. It's almost getting to the point. I live down the mountain, pretty much. I mean, down at the base of this mountain on a different street, mm-hmm. and the entire road is pretty much just become. Like a whitewater rapid. Like, I'm half, uh, expecting, I, I'm expecting Meryl Streep in like a raft to like come down my, my, my road any moment now with Kevin Bacon Kevin slowly Bacon. like you know chasing after her. With a gun, with a gun was, in her back. the second yeah. Kevin Bacon uh, whitewater rafting um, movie. Well, Sean Astin is not far behind. Exactly, yes. So there was, he was in the other one, Whitewater Summer. Oh, oh right. Yeah. Driving up here is like going up in Splash Mountain. It is. Yeah. <laughs> we see all the water in. But let's, let's get back just to just as many animatronics, which is weird for this neighborhood. I never yeah, really... I put a bunch of rabbits up the hill going, how do you do? All right, I got to see you. And then you this come is... down, you're like, this is the payoff. Yeah. Uh, nope, nope, not yet. Brer Fox and Brer Bear. And then you realize it's all based on a very racist cartoon. I don't remember seeing a tar baby in the uh, in, in Splash Mountain. I don't remember seeing that tar baby. <laughs> they did not put the tar baby in no. Splash Mountain. No. But they do have uh, Brer Fox. It was probably broken. It might have might have been broken. What's going on? What are you doing? Oh, they're singing chickens on the riverboat. <laughs> Splash Mountain's always one of those ones you think is a good idea to save it for last because the line's usually the longest, even if you fast pass it. Yeah. And then uh, you get horribly soaked, and then you're freezing. It's the worst yeah. idea. Yeah, it is yeah. absolutely the worst. You want to yeah. go first, dry off during the day. Yep. No, but I. I know. I I disagree. I disagree. You get wet, then you get the chafe. One. Yes. Oh, that's the worst. Once I went. I'll get the chafe anyway. It was dead, and the gentleman loading the ride was like, "Why don't you sit in front?" And I'm like, "I don't think that's a good idea." No, it'll go way faster. (laughs) No, no, no. no. So I sit in front. We're supposed to have two people behind us. The other two guys like, "Oh no, we can get our own too because it's dead." And we go when we go down the hill. I it's like a fucking submarine diving because mm-hmm. I just launch the thing into the water. Water just gushes up, and I've never been more wet in my entire life. It was so, it almost submerged. You were on Finding Nemo, actually. The Finding Nemo ride was kind of a bummer. Have you been on it's it? I have. Yeah, it, it was. It just feels like. As eh, throw some of that shit over there and let's. Uh... Yeah, well, it's a weird ride to begin with. I mean, because the original one was just, or so the first half of the ride is just like, ooh, yeah. really poorly constructed plastic fish. Yep. Yeah, just yep. going in the circle. And then you go into the the mountain, 
And I still don't understand where it goes in relationship from the entrance of that cave to, like, the exits. <laughs> I don't know. I, I want to know what's on the other side of that. And, like, just, like, does it go underneath a road, you know, under, like, a, a Carl's Jr. parking lot? I, like, I don't know. How do they have the space within the Walt's, confines tomb. of Disneyland? But then, like, what happens in there is just animation. Yes, and, Let's and project animation onto a which screen. Which you don't really need to be in a submarine to see. No, no I always uh, have a lot of anxiety when I'm watching <laughs> shitty animation. Yeah, the problem with Finding Nemo was that I didn't feel like uh, my heart was going to shit because I was having a claustrophobic anxiety <laughs> attack. So let's stay. Yeah. I mean, there was just such an afterthought where they were like, well, we got the underwater thing. It has been closed. It had been closed for years. Long right? time. Yeah. Long time. Because I hadn't seen it open since I was a kid. In Disney World, they just. Paved it. No one cares about it. Uh, my my uh, my my old my old roommate Will Wheaton and I had uh, annual passes at Disneyland when we were eighteen, and we used to go like every night during one summer. And Disneyland was awesome, and they had the they had those uh, the Skyway, which they got yeah. rid of because someone yeah. killed themselves. Yeah, they had the, tr- the the people mover with Tron in it. Yes, yes. that was awesome. Yeah. Although away. not uh, maybe awesome in our in our collective in memory. memory. Yeah. <laughs> I'll remember it that not way. That I'll remember awesome it that now. way. Well, do you remember the shrinking ride that they had? Yes, of yeah. course. The, the body? What was that? Well, it was the first thing that you went yeah, into yeah. if you were on the people mover. Yes, yeah, yeah. And body then, worlds. No, that was no, the, that was in Disney World. Body uh, worlds? No, that was, was it Body Wars? No, was Body it? Worlds was the exhibit where they cut people. No, that's Body Works. No. That's Body Works. Body, I'm, I'm telling you, it's a thing. <laughs> there was a thing where Walt Disney had uh, cross-sected <laughs> giant humanoid mice, and you could see their musculoskeletal structures. Listen, guys. You know they used to have people climb um, the Matterhorn back in the day? They still yeah. do. They still do? Yeah. And they had a Tinkerbell, like, zipline down do. from the top of the Matterhorn. And then it would, she would hit her eye at the, on the set of Oprah? Yep. That's right. She would zipline right <laughs> to the set of Oprah. Oh, as soon as I saw him going that fast, I was like, so oh, fast. Hugh, this is not going to go well. Yeah. But this doesn't he seem like well. the kind of guy who's like, I'll do anything! Yeah. <laughs> it's, I wanted, the first thing I thought is Hugh. You are Wolverine. You don't have to do that. I know you're welcoming Oprah, arguably the world's biggest star, onto your country. Mm-hmm. But you're big enough that you can just walk onto the stage <laughs> and say, welcome yep. to my Australia. Yeah. You don't have to. Oh, it's such an Australian thing to be like, I'm going to... Go across a harbor <laughs> attached to a wire from our most iconic building to go welcome the lady yep. from Chicago. Yep. You don't need to do that. Walk out. You buddy. should be able to walk on. Nah, nah, I got a zip line down there so I can. I need to fly onto stage. Yeah. So bad. So bad. He's all right, though, right? Yeah. He healed up real of course. fast. He's got, yeah, there was he's a, got like a, a metal exoskeleton. I've just, I've just, I've just received a note from like uh, an intern that just, has a Google. I've just received a note from Janet Varney saying that it was called Adventure Through Inner Space. Oh, there you go. Uh, Inner Space, not, not, not to be confused <laughs> with the Joe Dante film, which was phenomenal, which was amazing. Yes, yep. it's a great movie. It's on Instant Watch right now, and I've watched it a few times since it's got on Netflix Instant Watch. It's, a, it's great. I, I, I constantly watch Joe Dante movies. I, I oftentimes think someone has injected Martin Short into my body. 
No, I'm sorry. It was the reverse. Someone has injected Dennis, Den- Quaid. Dennis Quaid. But Dennis Quaid from um, Breaking Away. Yeah. <laughs> you, know what? You, know what? you don't want to get injected with Randy Quaid. He'll just fucking ransack your body and uh, leave it for dead. <laughs> that is ever. that. Now, that's a scary thing. <laughs> it's the only way to hide from the Hollywood star whackers. <laughs> I had to erase his computer, and it was awkward. You just, did? <laughs> yes. At the, at the Apple store. Why? That is the most interesting <laughs> thing to bring to the table. I had to erase his computer. It was awkward. <laughs> did you see anything wacky? He didn't ask for it. No, he wanted to give it to his maid. Uh, He's still No, wait, I'm confusing him and the principal from uh, Ferris Bueller. Oh, no, no, oh, you're thinking I of Jeffrey Jones. both of their computers, though. You're Who I Jeffrey saw Jones. at an Apple store not too long ago. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Jones? Jones? Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Getting his iPhone his set up. His hair always unkempt. He uh, run. He's like, the editor of the Deadwood newspaper. Uh, oh. Apparently, Jeffrey Jones. Wow. I was a huge Jeffrey Jones fan, and he was in so many great movies. My hair would be unkempt if I had to register as a sex offender. Also, what happened to Howard the Duck? <laughs> what happened to Howard the Duck? I'm skating over your sexual offender. <laughs> we're gonna. We're not gonna touch that one. Listen, uh, <laughs> um, with a ten foot kid, Howard the Duck. Uh, for some reason, to this day, the Howard Duck theme melody is like still stuck in my head from the closing credits. Howard the, the Duck. Come on, dude, straight to my heart. Howard the Duck. I don't understand why that is still stuck in my. I mean, it's it made it made an impression. That's a hit record right there. That is a hit record. It's a lot about it. The credits are rolling. Everyone's looking around at each other. We did a great movie with a hit record it is attached very, to it. It's very telling about a movie when what you remember from it is the closing credit theme. Howard the Duck. The, duck. the, uh, the monster was really scary. I remember that. I haven't watched that in a very long the time. The Dark Overlords of the Universe. Yeah. I mean, even as a kid when I was like, really, the device is the Dark Overlords of the Universe? Come on. <laughs> yeah, I remember that just scared me. When the three of them were coming yeah. in that stationary, super cheesy, like special <laughs> effect move where they're obviously just standing in place, but the camera is moving at yes. them rather quickly. <laughs> we're moving, but we're standing still. I, that scared me. I wanted to see a whole movie in Duck World. I wanted an entire movie in Duck World. And that is a movie that absolutely... No one wanted to make. <laughs> they wanted they to make cued, Howard the Duck in our world. Up, Chris. They queued that up, but nope, no, not so much. <laughs> they teed it up, and then it was all Leah Thompson in, uh, in in Human World. Now that was after. That was after um, Back, to the Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Howard the Duck was maybe eighty seven. Yeah, that I'm was say like her next thing. Ouch! What was her next thing? I, I think I feel like I need to yeah, IMDb it. that. What year was Space Camp? That was what eighty. Space Camp, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, Space Camp with um, living the dream. Space Camp with uh, with with Joaquin Phoenix. Oh yeah, was he Leaf at that point, or he was, was Leaf? He was still Leaf at that point. He was still Leaf. Okay, I'm looking up uh, as we speak. There's nothing more fun than looking up things on the internet on a podcast, but I really want to know what Leah Thompson's follow-up to Back to the Future was. Janet set a bad precedent by running that into uh, information into us. Now we're like, we need the information. Yeah. She doesn't care about non-Disneyland rides. <laughs> we just, no, we just got to talk to her as if she's a computer. Janet! <laughs> I, I made my computer just answer back like a sassy lady. Okay, here we go. So, uh, 1985, Back to the Future, followed up by Space Camp. Okay. Followed up by Howard the Duck, followed up by... Jaws 3. 
No, one of my favorite movies, Some Kind of Wonderful, 1987. Uh, then 1988, Casual Sex. Oh, yeah, with, with uh, Victoria Jackson. Victoria Jackson, yep. yes. Yep. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of sex Where romps in the late is... 80s. There were f- comedy sex romps. Where was Jaws 3D? Where did that happen? Oh, that was pre. Uh, the Jaws 3D was 83. All the right moves, 83. Uh-huh. This movie. Red Dawn. Oh, yeah. 84. She had the Wildlife. 84. Me. Yep. Avenge 84. Me. Then around <laughs> 88, it gets weird. The Wizard of Loneliness. Schwa? Going undercover. I don't. And then Nightbreaker in '89. I'm not sure what that is. That's a great she song just, too. Nightbreaker, <laughs> the duck <laughs> breaking into the night. <laughs> then, then, then the Back of the Future. Nightbreaker. <laughs> <laughs> and then Dennis the Menace. She was Mrs. Mitchell and Dennis the Menace. Oh, oh shit. wow! Wow! But those three, those the uh, Back to the Future, Space Camp, and then Howard the Duck. Those are three uh, comedy sci-fi movies in a row. She was the comedy sci-fi queen in the '80s. Yeah, she's our uh, later day. She was a Hollywood it. Girl, <laughs> she was a Hollywood hit girl, and then she did a Caroline in the City. Oh, that's right. I like that. Oh, wow. I like and I'm so it. sorry that we brought Colin Hanks on to talk about Leah Thompson's <laughs> resume. I was about to say. So, what was your favorite Leah Thompson movie? Here, uh, Lee, guys, going to Leah Thompson Con? I'm here's the deal. You remember Leah Caroline in the City, or is it because you were just looking at a resume? Because I, I totally forgot about that. I remembered that show. I, I yeah, absolutely I liked it. Show. it was like, I thought it was so hot. It was a cartoonist girl in the city. Yeah. And there was that weird guy that was in a lot of stuff. The that rollerblading time. guy, or the guy, the main dude in that, because there was a delivery. Never mind. I remember too much about that show. I'll stop. Colin, uh, yeah. so <laughs> when you were growing up, did you ever think it would turn out this way for Leah Thompson? <laughs> yeah, totally. We all did. I mean, after Howard the Duck, I think the writing was on the wall. <laughs> I think it's pretty I hope, obvious. I hope you get known as being a Leah Thompson. What was the name uh, of her show on Lifetime? What? Reruns of Caroline in the City. (laughs) (laughs) It was actually called Give Me Back My Daughter. It was called like I, never mind, I'll never get it. I Lost My Daughter on a trip. Let's admit it, we all had a crush on Leah Thompson. Of course. Absolutely. Who wouldn't? Of course. Um, But I want to know, did you grow up in Los Angeles or did you grow up on the East Coast? I actually grew up in Northern California. Uh, Oh. Uh, My parents split up, uh, as many parents uh, have a tendency to do. Yeah, me too. In the 80s. Yes. Um, And uh, my dad lived down here, obviously, and my uh, mom lived up in Sacramento. So I sort of commuted back and forth. I'm sort of a... A very much Northern California boy, but with semi-Southern Californian roots. You do have a nice NorCal Bay Area vibe. I do. I've got the NorCal vibe. Which is a nice vibe. Thank you. It is a very nice vibe. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You cannot teach the NorCal vibe. I don't know why Northern California hates us so much. Uh, but oh, they probably because we think Hella came from Orange County. I fact, fucked that up big time. The, the first time I heard Hella was from no was from in a No Doubt song, and they were from Orange County. I didn't. I got assaulted because I didn't properly credit Hella the as coming from the Bay Area. Is, I remember when I moved when I moved to to LA in in college, and uh, I didn't realize the amount of which. Hello was used in yeah. my vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I said it, everyone goes, and this was in Orange County, as a matter of fact. Everyone goes, Northern California. <laughs> <laughs> Already making you feel bad. Already made me feel bad. Yeah. And so Hella is most definitely a Northern, Northern California. And there's a group called Hella. There yeah, is? There's a metal ish yeah. band. Yeah. Right? I, I, I've never really heard 
much of uh, their stuff. I've I've heard like a couple of things here and there, but yeah. uh, remember their drummer is like insane. Yeah, they insanely have an insanely talented, like drummer. a math, yeah, like a mathematician, math drummer, geniuses, like, a crazy yeah. math genius. And yeah. he he did a bunch of he math played drums for like Les Claypool on a couple of a couple of records, some of Les's like solo yeah. records. And, and actually, like he's that. he's drumming for this guy, uh, this girl Marnie Stern right now, who's like a really like very technical guitar player lady. I think that guy's drumming for them right now. I want to know where else you could talk, you could hear <clears throat> about uh, the movie Inner Space, Leah Thompson, and Les Claypool all in the same <laughs> 10 minutes. My brain? <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why we're talking about it. It's because I'm here. <laughs> we met at the uh, the Thrilling Adventure Hour, which was yes. awesome. So Amazing. much fun. So much fun. Was that your first time doing it? First time. Very first time. I... Uh, uh, had been hearing about it through uh, through uh, Aaron, mm-hmm. and because um, Aaron uh, wrote on the Good Guys, so we would. Uh, there were a couple of times in Dallas uh, over drinks, a multitude of drinks. <laughs> you got to come and do this adventure show. Um, <laughs> okay, okay, sure. Um, but yeah, first time I ever did it. It was an, I mean, an absolute blast to do because there's no pressure. Whatsoever, right? It's just absolute unbridled fun because you don't have to worry about lines or anything. No, like that. and for people who don't know, Thrilling Adventure Hour, which is now a podcast, it was, yes. it was a live, basically like sci-fi comedy musical radio play series that was done. That's been done in Los Angeles for the last few years. And they did it like at uh, M Bar. Started right? at M Bar, and then it moved to Largo, and now they have enough of a following where all the shows sell out, and oh, awesome. and so much <clears throat> fun people like. You did the show, and Nathan Fillion did the show, and Kevin Pollack did the show, and uh, and Allison Brie, and it's just a lot of fun. Paul F. Tompkins and Paget Brewster. It's a super, super, super fun show. Um, How long have you been doing it? I, I, I did my first one earlier this year, and I think that was my fourth or fifth one. Oh, really? Yeah, and uh, and they're always they're always. Super Is there fun. anyone that's been doing it like from the very beginning, yep. aside from? Ben and Ben and Aaron I, I think and Paul, Ap- Paul Paul Ap- has, has been telling me yeah, about it ben, for years. Ben Acker's been working with Paul like since before that show, and I think they kind of got into that together. The Bens Acker and Blacker, Ben yeah. Acker and Ben Blacker. We were yeah. tr- Jan and I were trying to figure out the other night. Did they team up because of their names? Well, like did they you? have to. I guess you have you to. Have Just to. like you guys are going to team up eventually because of the whole CH. CH. Yeah. Yep. That's in the sequel. That's in the sequel. <laughs> in this movie, we're enemies. In the we're, next one, we're going to be. We, we come together to fight oh, the sorry, USSR. Spoilers. We come together to fight the USSR on our globe. The USSR. Yeah. Exactly. With they our light, with our light up Two worlds collide. Rival <laughs> nations. What did the world look like during the Cold War? Someone tell us. I don't know. You guys know. Reaganomics. Did you? Uh, uh, were you were you a nerdy kid growing up, or were you like an outdoorsy kid? What was your? Um, I don't know. I sort of like feel like I was. I always sort of described it as like the social butterfly because I had like just elements of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely had the inner geek thing going, but didn't necessarily have other people to geek out with. That's mm-hmm. always the way it was, sort of for me. Like I had all of these interests, but I never really had anyone that I could find that shared those same interests. Okay. And then by the time I got to be a little bit more uh, around the time you get to 15, 16, all that sort of stuff kind of gets thrown aside because you're like, oh, I'm just more interested in just trying to meet girls and be cool. And But I just ended up taking that same geekdom 
and applying it to stuff that I thought would make me look cool <laughs> and it didn't. So, you know, growing up it was, you know, Star Wars obviously and and pretty much every movie that was on cable cuz that was like the dawn of you know, critters and all of those. Yes, movies. So I have critters. like a, a total appreciation for really really shitty movies. Um, but that was like HBO was like play nothing but horror. Back yeah, then oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, like uh, Evil Dead Two was on constantly. Exactly. So I have that. I have that in me, um, and then the music geek in me because I was like, oh, the chicks will dig me for my musical taste. No, they don't dig me for my <laughs> musical tastes at all. Um, and so I would just sort of. I always find myself being really fascinated with stuff and finding myself pretty much alone in, in that fascination, at least in terms of like my 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 friends that I I'm friendly with. I relate hundred percent. This is a true story. And it happened again uh when I tried to show Janet this movie. When I was in high school there was a girl I liked and I was really into the animated Transformers movie. Stop laughing <laughs> <laughs> That sucks. That is okay. There, are, but let's talk about that. I let's can talk, talk about, about it. this. Let's talk about First it. Orson off, Welles. Dare to be stupid. Dare to be stupid. Weird Al okay. song. Orson Welles. Last movie. Last movie with yeah. Orson Welles. Leonard Nimoy. Judd Nelson. Eric Idle. Like it had the elements. Plus the Transformers. Yeah. So I thought the there was a scene in the Transformers movie where Megatron becomes Galvatron, who was made so by Unicron, the robot shifting planet eater. Of course, voiced by Orson. Voiced by Orson Welles. Oh. And uh, and he, when we first hear Leonard Nimoy's voice, he takes he is now he is now uh, the new Megatron, and uh, he kills Starscream. Now, if you watch Transformers, <laughs> that is basically like if someone came in and shot Ross or Rachel. It was a big <laughs> fucking deal. Yeah. And I was so floored by this scene that uh, I, I had a girl over. Too and, much uh, change. Too much change. And I too showed her. And I showed her. I even showed her that one scene. Um, that didn't work out well. Years later. <laughs> years later. Uh, I tried to show Janet. Part two. I tried to show Janet. I'm like, okay, I bought Transformers the movie on DVD, the cartoon, the animated series. Let's watch it. Maybe we got ten minutes in, and Janet just got up laughing and goes, this is garbage! <laughs> and Janet is a, is a nerdily-minded lady. Very nerdily-minded. Yeah. The problem is that the, the what, I, what I failed to realize as a teen is that Transformers, the movie, the cartoon, not the Michael Bay explosathon. Was so heavily laced with wall-to-wall Stan Bush '80s inspirational rock that it really yeah. gets in the you way. You got like, the touch. Everything is well. That's, yeah! that's where it is. That's the original. You got. You got the, the touch. Stan you got Bush. The power. Yep. Yeah. That Mark Wahlberg. That sings. Mark Wahlberg sings in the, in the Boogie Nights. How about? The- <laughs> Are you playing Stan Bush now, sweetheart? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. But let's also go one further. There was an S-bomb in the Transformers movie. Yes! There was an S-bomb. There was an S-bomb. Doesn't it from Spike? Uh, yes. Doesn't he go, yes. He goes, he just, I, I just remember, there are very few things I remember the first time I saw that movie, but I vividly remember <laughs> all of us going, oh my god. That was unheard of. They said shit. Mm-hmm. 
shit. Yep, yep. <laughs> in oh, a cartoon. Shit. Oh, shit. In a cartoon for kids. Yep, yep. <laughs> I think once Starscream was killed, it, it stopped being for kids. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds very no, dude, moment. once Optimus Prime was killed. Sorry, yeah. That was that's like killing E. That's like molesting ET. At molesting <laughs> ET's corpse. I want that to happen because I hated ET. Did you really? It was an alien. It terrified the shit out. Oh, of it me. scared you? Yeah, oh, we well, were a little kid too. Oh, You're just it. like the government in that movie. Yeah, very ET. similar. Except I still have killed my too. I don't have a walkie-talkie. What was this idea that other worlds are frozen? Like, E.T. came back to life by being put in a freezer. Starman was rejuvenated when it, his, his space orb snowed on him. Ice pirates. Ice pirates. That's kind of racist. I'm wondering how many women we lost from the Leah Thompson. <laughs> they don't listen. No women listen to this podcast. I'm wondering... No, but I'm thinking we might have won some over with the Leah Thompson part, and now we're yeah. definitely losing them with the Transformers part. <laughs> we'll, we'll get the back. original Transformers. We'll get we like to jump around the map as much as possible. <laughs> try to keep the keep map. the audience thinking. Jump around the the, the golden USSR. lit up <laughs> globe. Were your parents are uh, cool about like? Were you allowed to watch R rated comedies, or were they were they kind of like yeah? Like my parents let me watch pretty much anything. Uh. For a period, for a period, I could pretty much watch anything. Yeah, um, I mean, like I pretty much lived with my mom, and so th- there was a there was a golden period where pretty much I could pr- watch anything that was that was on TV. Um, and Part of the benefits of being a child of divorce is yeah, that your parents like, just, they want to win you over. Last kid, just yeah, just watch that TV. Just to, to I've got <laughs> some more I've chocolates. Got, yeah. I got some shit I got to work out. You yeah. you watch that TV. <laughs> Stay with the babysitter now. Yeah, um, and then once um, uh, uh, <laughs> surprisingly, once she found Jesus, <laughs> okay, okay. things needed to change, and that. Uh. Some things are going to change in this household. <laughs> Jesus does not appreciate Spike yelling, oh shit, at the robot eating planet. No, and MTV is Satan. You know, those <laughs> that, to that extent, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I got a lot of that. I, I used to do a show for MTV, and a lot of people who grew up in the 90s would say, I used to have to sneak MTV... Because I think of MTV as being remarkably corporate and tame. But I guess in the 90s... It at was the time. At the time, it was very. Uh, oh shit! That's right. You were on that show. I did that show. You yeah. did that show. I did that show. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like at the time, it was, it was, it was. You know, at, at, at some point, ra- people thought radio was dangerous. Right. Like the devil's music is coming out of radio. Mm-hmm. It's coming from Jerry Lee Lewis's hands mm-hmm. and Elvis's hips. That's right. And coming through. <laughs> they were your not radio, wrong though. And they're well, they coming were. to impregnate. Your children with the, with the, with, with, well, yeah. With devil babies. <laughs> devil babies. With and then for a period, it was kind of like that with the MTV, you know. They thought the, uh, the tiki god was going to come and murder yeah, their children. People looked at Adam Curry's hair and said, no way. We're not having <laughs> evil. Evil. It's kind of McDonald's. Evil. Evil. But then, uh, but yeah, now you sort of look at it and you just go, oh, no, it's not really. MTV at all? It's, no, it's because uh, I heard uh, I was the horrible f- music they played. Yes, maybe. <laughs> maybe I heard "Baby Got Back" the other day for the first time in a long time, and I listened to the lyrics, and I had to remind myself MTV banned this video. Yeah, that's right. One of the most tame rap songs with some very educated references <laughs> in, in it, mind you. Have you heard uh, Two Live Crew 
uh, lately? I've seen no. I Me saw so two horny. live crew about like four years ago. Have you heard Me So Horny? Yeah. It's some of the worst rapping of all time. It's the worst. Sitting at home watching or sitting at home. For a freak to call. There's no... It's like Luke Skywalker. Not his real name. No. Uh, just picked four random I think dudes it was Keith Skywalker originally. in Miami said... I'm gonna make you a rap star because yep. they've got no rhythm, no rhythm. But you know what? America said fine. For some reason, America said fine. Yeah. Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. I know that you've got no rhythm. Here's the deal: we're gonna be so dirty, <laughs> it's not gonna matter. We're gonna make. <clears throat> I'm gonna make so much money. Uh, when I, I saw them, and it, it's, they did not relent. It was. I, I consider the the feeling of the, the, the show is much akin to what a cockfight would be like. Just dangerous. You don't know what's about to happen. There's blood. There's fucking shit everywhere. Everyone's yelling and going everywhere. It was the most insane show I'd ever seen. It was at Cinespace of all places. Are you serious? They yeah, it Cinespace? Really, weird, really, really weird. Like that the little girls alternative that, the huge, chapel? The That's booty girls. Again. The booty girls got naked and like started like 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 rubbing their crotches in each other's faces. It was insane. I heard a story. This is actually one of the funniest stories I've ever heard. Uh, one of the uh, the guys from the camera department um, on uh, <laughs> on the good guys. We were exchanging just like funny, just stories in which it was one of those sort of nights where it's it's three in the morning and we're just we're trying to find a, a reason to keep living. And so we just start <laughs> telling each other stories. And he tells me this story. He goes to a concert. <laughs> This is going to seem like it's out of nowhere, but this is in relation <laughs> to your story. He goes to, I think it's like a Dr. Dre concert um, in like, you know, early 93. Snoop Dogg is there. And this guy who I will rename, uh, who will rename, uh, rename? We'll rename? We'll, we will rename, rename him nameless. Uh, nameless um, <laughs> thought it would be really, you know, nameless uh, 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 had taken some 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 psychedelic uh, uh, Smurfs uh, before the show. <laughs> so of course this heightens everything. But he tells me that at one point, like before Dr. Dre goes on, this guy gets up, and it's it's sort of like the pre. I don't know if he's like a Dallas local guy or whatever, but he's the guy that's in charge of pumping up the crowd before Dr. Dre comes on. And he comes out and he's like, yeah, woo, yeah, who wants to see, hey, and it's just like, it's just totally chaotic and he's just sitting there and it turns into him saying, I want to see some titties, anyone want to see some titties? And everyone's like, yeah, sure, he's like, oh, let's bring up some girls up on stage and show us your titties. And he brings up 10 ladies up on, 10 ladies willingly come up on stage. To show themselves, and it's they, he gets them in a line, and the first one uh, he's like, all right, all right, first, show us your titties, and she does, and the crowd goes, ah, and he's like, oh look at that, oh man, that's great, oh man, put some water on your shirt, you know, da da da. Number two, it's the same thing with number, shows your titties, woo, everybody's screaming, everybody's great. Shows number three, number three, shows your titties, woo. Number number four, shows you titties. She shows, t- she lifts her top up, and he goes, "Oh God, those are the worst titties I've ever seen!" <laughs> and, and everyone is like laughing, hysterical. And he goes, "All right, no, number five. And then, and then my friend says, "Someone was calling to him off stage," and he goes, "What? Number five? Show? Wait, what? 
Oh, we can't do this? All right, well, Dr. Dre's up next. He just walks on stage. He just, and everybody just goes back into the audience. But the timing of that is perfect. Number five, show us your team. What? Oh, we can't do this? All right, Dr. Dre's up next. Who won? Like, Who this, won? Needs a, this needs some closer dissection. Number one, anytime's the right time for titties. Whether you're at a Dr. Dre concert or at home. Oh, Number two, <laughs> can there be anything more? First of all, first of all, completely demeaning. Completely, to, completely demeaning, just to get them up there and say, "Let's see some titties," and then to then and then qualify the titties, give them a value judgment of those are the worst titties I've ever seen when someone is exposing themselves to thousands of people. Oh, did uh, did nameless. Agree though, were they the worst titties he'd ever he seen? He has absolutely no recollection as to the quality <laughs> of said breasts. He just knows that it was one of the funniest things he's ever seen. <laughs> to hear this guy go, "Oh, those are the worst titties I've ever seen." <laughs> what makes a what makes a worst titty? I wonder. Probably a poor areola ratio. You think so? Areola to boob ratio, maybe some. Sand. You think a conical shape and a and a, and a, and a scarring bad, from an accident pointing down yeah. in yeah. abject sadness. Of, yeah. So that it, like about it could be a little bit the old Marty Feldman, you know, just. Little, like what? <laughs> One <laughs> googly tail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think any of the guys listening to this podcast just we, they we just blew their chance of them getting a girl. <laughs> Again, missing <laughs> <laughs> our audience here, Colin. I think. <laughs> Anyways, that seemed like a very two life crew. Yes. Thing. It's a, it, what, a moment. It, That's why my brain went there. Yeah, no, I saw a similar thing happen. I went to some, uh, me and um, a couple of my friends ended up at a R. Kelly after party somewhere in Koreatown once where he got up on stage, started. R. Going, Kelly, uh, the words R. Kelly after party in Koreatown, <laughs> I feel, should never be uttered in the same sense. Uh, yeah. Nothing good is going to come from that. Well, I yeah. put some baking soda and some vinegar and then yeah, uh, yeah. gasoline and fire it was, uh, together. It was the worst bomb. thing, putting that styrofoam in the gasoline. But, uh, <laughs> but we did it. Um, yeah, no, that was the same. But he started singing, you know, I'm in love with a stripper. Uh, or, or, you know, one of the, I can't remember. It was a really drunken night, but, like, it was just, like, girl after girl doing, like, just stripping and grinding up against him. And, that, and like, he didn't sing at all. He just kept on bringing girl after girl up. And then I think I was asked to, like, move away from some velvet rope, and then we just left. But it was a very, it was a very <laughs> odd night. you're too close to the rope. Yeah, exactly. How do you get invited to a R and R kill? How do you even, who finds out about that? It was, a, it was Aziz. It was with Aziz. Oh, it was with Aziz. Yeah. Okay. So, like, you know, he's like, come on, man, I'll pick you up. And then, like, we just he picked me up at my apartment, and then we went there. I was like, "Why did you bring me here?" Can I tell you something about Aziz Ansari? He has recommended like some of the best restaurants I've ever eaten at. That's all he does. <laughs> came from recommendations that I Aziz hear made. He's a big foodie. He, he is, is an enormous food. Like, I just texted him the other day, and I was like, "Okay, I'm on the road a lot. Where should I eat?" And he was like, "All right, I'll send you the same list I sent to yeah. and Eric." And he sent me this long list of restaurants, city by city. Yeah, he, he's uh, a big, big foodie. The, like when he first moved out here, he's all, he's like, "Hey, man, where, where's uh, where's Torrance?" I was like, oh, it's like in the South Bay. He was like, can we go? And then we would have to go to, like, you know, Torrance to go find some place that he heard about. And that was like pretty much every it's probably time. probably delicious, though. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, was great. Colin, are you, you seem to, because uh, I follow you on the tweets, you seem to, you seem to like comedy, uh, live comedy. You listen to Comedy Death Ray radio? Yeah. 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 Did you ever do stand up? Did you ever want to do stand up? Uh, I, I mean, I've always been a super fan of stand up. I've never really. Felt like I could assemble material to do it. Uh, you know, I, in terms of actually sitting down and putting the honest to goodness hard work mm-hmm. into it, um, I don't 
I don't pretend to have the ability to be able to do that in a way that I think would be... Uh, but I've talked myself into a box. <laughs> um, no, no way no, out. No. So no, I mean, would I would I like to try it? Yes. Do I find myself in scenarios in in my professional life in which I am placed in front of a large audience with a microphone? Am I comfortable in those scenarios? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, do I get? Do I miss performing in front of people and making people laugh? Yes, I do. I, I have all of. The mathematics are there, but I just never really have taken the time to try and and uh, and and put together you know material and, and and again you know never really around anybody else that did. Mm-hmm. So then again, I found myself in a position in which I have this sort of itch to scratch, and I have no one else to to you know bounce ideas off of. Well, I'll tell you because so, now what's now what's going to happen. And I'm yeah. predicting it now. So you did Thrilling Adventure Hour. Have you done Comedy Death Ray Radio yet? I did that like a few days ago. Okay. So you, so you did Scott's. Yeah. So what's going to happen is... You're the third. Uh, who's the first? Uh, uh, Kevin Pollock. Oh, you did Pollock's? Yes. Oh, that's such a fun show. That's a very fun show. Kevin's great. That's very fun. What, so what'll happen... I don't know who wants to talk to me about my life for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Pollock will... I mean, it's free therapy right there. It's really good. <laughs> free therapy. In a Charlie Rose setting. In a Charlie Rose setting. But I feel, like, uh, I feel like you will start to get absorbed by the comedy community. And, and John Hamm. <laughs> ha- like Hamm. Yeah. Uh, well, Hamm used to go to all the Death Ray shows. Like, he was a, he was a hardcore... He's yeah. already no, he's already been dude. He's already been, like, hanging out in the comedy scene for years. I know that. But, like, once he kind of, like, uh, like accepted the fact that he would appear in things or be yeah. on people's shows is when he was just on everything. Well, what's going to yeah. happen next is that I'm sure Scott will call you and then you'll end up doing a Death Ray, uh, which will be super fun. And then you might, you're like, people will start asking you to do more shows at Largo. And so what will happen is you'll, you might find yourself accidentally doing comedy without That's really, fine. without even really planning it. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, and you won't have to go on the road. I won't have to do any of that. Because your, your goal is probably not to do an hour special and, uh, you know. No. But I like, I like the, the, um, that's, that comedy has definitely been one of those things that, I mean, for as long as I can remember, it's always been something that I've been very, interested in and very attuned to um and so you know i mean i just remember for me there there's no difference between sitting up in your room and doing this oh, this is geeky Let there's no Let difference between sitting up in your room and doing a wicked air guitar solo mm-hmm. and sitting in front of a mirror and mouthing somebody else's stand-up routine of course yeah, yeah. It's the exact same thing. Absolutely. And so for me, it's, I have just as much appreciation for not just stand-up, but sketch as well. I mean, you know, just comedy in general yeah. that I do for music. But I don't pretend that, you know, I'm going to be a kick-ass musician. Of course, there is no, uh, for Xbox yet, there is no comedy. Sure. Comedy yeah. hero? Yeah. Comedy yeah. hero. Comedy yeah. hero. Comedy hero. Yeah. you got to hit all the Mitch yeah. Hedbergs. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, hey, everybody, hope I'm funny. Ah, I never nailed that part. Live <laughs> on the Sunset Strip. I never. That's like expert level, and I can't ever get there. That's I got right. Bill Hicks arcing ropes, hitting chins. Yeah, exactly. Fuck, I missed it. Exactly. 
There are dick jokes awesome. on the way. Yeah. That one I can get. But so, uh, there should be a uh, for the Wii. There should be a Gallagher game, though. You know, just really smash a melon. Yeah, we can do that. That good early level. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? E three is coming up. We still have plenty of time. We can get it going. That's true. We'll start putting the word out during CES. Wii so Gallagher. Sure. I think Gallagher would look really great as a little as a little uh, Nintendo avatar. <laughs> I'm gonna make. That I can. Now. I can picture it. We can yeah. actually could probably make that. Yeah. Throw a hat on him. And he just sort of looks yeah, like Mario. Right? He uh, kind of does. Case, but with long case? hair. Yeah. Hey like Mario, I smashed this melon. He's Mario's hippie cousin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His, his Mario's crazy right wing hippie, hippie cousin. cousin. I just gotta. I just. I just. I was shooting something, and the DP was this wonderful Italian guy. This like so sweet, so nice, and so fun. Like he was so nice, but to the fact, but you know, he had the one of these accents, uh, and so it was hard not to. And because he was so nice, and because. One, one, one night, someone asked him, like, how he met his girlfriend, just kind of thinking they would get this random, like, ah, we met at a bar. Mm-hmm. But he told this whole intricate, beautiful, romanticized tale of how they met. So naturally... As at, a the, <laughs> at a bar. So naturally, as the shithead comic, I had to add the... It, uh, the rain was uh, just uh, perfect. <laughs> we go inside the building. Uh, you can hear the rain drops. Am I saying that right? Rain drops. He <laughs> the music is playing. And at that moment, she shit on my chest. <laughs> like, of course I had to make it about shitting on chests. Yes, yes. Uh, and I felt, I felt really bad. The poor Luca, the, the, the director yeah. of photography. Ah, <laughs> Did he ruin every shot by talking about a spicy meatball? It's by, it, we turn this into a pizza. Everything <laughs> became a pizza. Eventually you got to throw in a how do you say. How do you, how say? Do you say? How do you say? How do you say? How do you say? How do you say? Who, who did you like growing up, comics-wise? Uh, the first one, well, interestingly enough, the first, like, comedy album that I really listened to a lot was Dennis Leary. Uh-huh. No Cure for Cancer? No Cure for Cancer. No Cure for Cancer. Yeah. Um, made all the more interesting by the fact that then I discovered Bill Hicks and went, oh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I can just go to the source. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, I'll just go here. Um, so uh, uh, that was sort of the first, and then um, oh god, I mean that you know, I was also a big SNL fan growing up, mm-hmm. um, and so there were I, there were tons of sketches in, in SNL that I had committed to memory at, at various points. Um, Did you know those people growing up? I didn't know any of them. No, um, you know my dad had been my dad had hosted the show a few times, but. Um, I had ne- I didn't know any of them. It wasn't until honestly maybe five years ago that I finally went for the first time uh, when he hosted. I think it was like the last time that he hosted uh, it was the first time that I was actually able to go to SNL, mm-hmm. which was insanely cool. And then you know that's where I met you know Bill Hader, who's a very good friend, and and you know, Lonely Island guys, and mm-hmm. pretty much everyone there. Uh, and then shortly thereafter, I moved to New York and then was sort of there probably a little bit more than I should have been. <laughs> hey guys, hey I was God. there a little too yeah. much to the point where like some of the crew members were like, God, are you just going to host or what? Jeez. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Do you need me to? And I said, yeah, do you need me to? I mean, I'd like two chances are if I do. Oh, none of these other people will be here, but maybe you still will. And will you talk to me then? Um, Everyone has that great performance dream where you're just in the audience and they're like, there you host it. Alec Baldwin couldn't make it. Colin, get up here. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean that. I mean that. 
to me, that has really been the only the only goal that I've ever had. You'll end up hosting. Yeah. I think there's no question you'll end up hosting. I mean, it, it, that's the one where it's like, it's when it happens, it'll happen. And, and it, if it happens, and it'll, it'll be great. But, um, you know, and then uh, really, you know, then it's sort of... After Bill Hicks, then it sort of went off. That was sort of it for me for mm-hmm. a while. So was, Bill Hicks was so. I listened to Bill Hicks during a whole bunch of different stages in my life, and he serviced different facets of whatever it was I was going through at that time. Oh, I'm really angry and pissed off. Well, oh, there's Bill Hicks for that. <laughs> right. Oh, I'm really into you know expanding the man. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. the there, there, there's Bill Hicks for that too. And um, and so you know in college I'd say um, obviously Mr. Show was a very big mm-hmm. thing uh, for me. Uh, just watching uh, Mr. Show, and then also uh, Tenacious D. Yep. You know, I got I got started watching those HBO specials, and then and then around that time, then I started actually working, and I got to meet Jack, and 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 go. You know, Jack invited. I remember the first day I met Jack, he invited me down to the studio when they were recording their first album. So, oh, that's yeah. awesome! Which was very cool. So. Um, and so, you know, and then comedy-wise, I'll just sort of like pick anything up now, you know? Pretty much anything that's on, I'll sort of, I'll grab it. Obviously, a lot of the David Cross stuff I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Hedberg, obviously, that sort of goes without saying. Um, I think now it's sort of, there's sort of a golden age. And, it, and it's not necessarily reflected by what's on television. But I feel like there's a golden age of... People doing really interesting performance uh, stuff in, in, in the field of comedy right now, and there's a lot of it. Well, yeah, I, it was so funny because you know I'd mentioned on the on the the Twitter, which has been a great. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it's been a great resource for me because I've been able to find out. Yeah, that's how it's I supposed mean, to work. It's so great. much stuff about it, which I sort of get that now. I sort of understand what social media platform is supposed to <laughs> be, now. but. Um, it's so funny because I, you know, I went and did uh, the comedy death rape, uh, and um, and that's like one of those just like Scott Ackerman just said, "Oh, you should come do it," and I go, "Fucking holy shit, Scott Ackerman!" Oh, you already did it. Yeah, I already did. Oh, it. I didn't realize. Oh no, I already did it. The live show, uh, not the live. Oh show, no, you just mean the podcast. the podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the podcast, and um, and someone had replied like, "Oh, that's so cool that you're, you know, you're so into alternative comedy," and I had not heard that. Shitty, horrible phrase. In oh yeah, <laughs> and I wanted to go. God, I remember hearing that phrase in '96. Surely we've moved beyond that alternative. Because for me, it's just comedy. It's, yeah, there, there's really nothing. Well, they just don't know what else to label it. I got alternative. I got interviewed about for my show. I have a weekly show, and then like the fir- the LA Times lay the first question was like, "So what is alternative comedy?" And I responded with a term they used about a decade ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because and I don't know. It just what is the mainstream comedy? Then I don't. I don't know. Well, as someone who who does who does a lot of stand up on the road, it is different. It is different. It's it's it's. I don't know if I would call it alternative. I would just call it a different subgenre of comedy where the audience members who are going to see these shows probably regularly see comedy. They they understand mm-hmm. comedy. They understand uh, like you don't. There's not as much hand holding in yeah. terms of like you can you can say ironic things without if you're on the road and you say something really crazy or you know where you think in your head of course this is ironic i mean sarcastic people will take what you say at face value 
And they're like, why would you kick a baby? Like, no, I just said that. I don't yeah, really, yeah, yeah. you know. But alternative, just that term is so loose. It's just like, you know, it's like naming music. It's like uh, alternative music. Like if you had a bin, you would, there would be train and you could also have the Melvins in the same fucking category yeah. because it's all alternative, you know. Yeah. It doesn't, it's all like just a blanket term. It's a blanket term. I, I think also for me, it's like I'm not going to go to go see someone at the Chuckle Hut. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. And so if that is where a, for lack of a better term, a large amount of people go and see their comedy, I'm not going to go see that. I'm mm-hmm. not disrespecting the people that perform there. I'm not disrespecting <laughs> the people that go there. That's just not where I'm right. finding my funny. Yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, um, I don't know, that's just something that, that, that weirded me out because, honestly, the, all the people... That I, you know, got into initially, they're all still around. They're all still doing. The, they're all still doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all and and now there's more places to do it. I mean, I was joking uh, uh, with some friends. It's like, yeah, I joined Twitter and now I've got like a, I'm on a podcast tour in Los <laughs> Angeles, all because I joined Twitter. But it's actually great because I just get to go and 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 meet a bunch of cool people such as yourselves and, and talk about a bunch of cool stuff and 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 surprisingly as I spit on your That's what it's there, there for. That's what it's there for spit on the yeah. pee popper. Um uh and surprisingly there you know a lot of people are in you know, a lot of people do that. You know, I, I the the whole podcast thing I'm just sort of getting into, but yet it makes perfect sense. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like you have your perfect choice to be like, oh well, do I listen listen to you know shitty radio when I'm in the car or the same records that I'm always listening to, or maybe once a week I'm able to listen to a podcast from these guys who I think are really funny. Yeah, and that you know makes perfect sense. It's man. nice too, and it also uh, I mean it definitely. When in the old days, the only way to get your voice out was really to just make an album. Yeah, but comedy album sales are dreadful, and so you just not. It's just it just seems like the best way, you know. And you don't even need to do that anymore. No, you kind of don't. You really don't need. I'm going to make one next year. I think I'll I'll make I'll do an hour special next year. But I there's some good ones coming out. Like Jeselnik, Anthony Jeselnik's album this year was great. Hannibal yep. Burris's album was amazing. Uh, Chris Fairbanks, Chris uh, Matt Bronger, Kyle yeah. Kinane. Kyle Kinane's Death of the Party. Death of the Party. Number one on Amazon. Is it really? Yeah, number mm. one on Amazon. But like there's a ton, there's albums, I think, coming out. I think it's a, it's better, it's a better time to put out a comedy album because you can just download it, you know? I think yeah, it's that's a, true. It's, a, it's easier because like you don't really go to a record store and get a comedy album. I mean, I used to, but now I think it's just it's more accessible. You know, I think it's I think it's a fine thing to put out now. When I was working in Northern California last week, uh, one of the, we one of the locations we shot at was this place called Rasputin's in San yeah. Jose, and yeah. it is fucking awesome. Yeah, like I forgot, I forgot these types of places still exist. And like yeah. I bought, you know, I bought it like a like a, a bunch of Simon Pegg stuff, and nice. you know, like there's just. It was a. It was just the 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 epitome of oh, this is where you go to get cool indie music and movies, and they still have these brick and mortar stores. It made me very happy. They like Streetlight, which was a couple in the Bay Area. There's like one in Santa Cruz and one in San Francisco, like Streetlight Records. Is that yeah. what it is? Street Lamp? I don't know. But like, there's the Bay Area still has more than L.A. Like L.A. is yeah. just left with Amoeba. Just Amoeba. Everything else is Aaron's is gone. Rhino is still is Rhino still around? I don't think so. Yeah, a lot of more. No, I um. But I've been trying for the better half of the pet on and off for like three years now, trying to get a documentary made about Tower Records. Oh, that's uh, cool. That's, uh, Tower Records started in my hometown of Sacramento, and so 
um, I pretty much like growing up in Sacramento. That was sort of like the main thing that you were most proud of. It's like, oh, well, Tower Records from Sacramento. Um, <laughs> and it really is because everyone goes like, oh, wasn't that started in L.A. on Sunset? Like, nope, started no. in Sacramento, the Tower Theater. Uh, and uh, I've been trying, of course, like right when I started going out and trying to like get financing, you know, for a documentary was right when, you know, the economy just went, you know, up Satan's anus and yes. shit down. That's a, it's a good idea for a documentary, too, because it also can be essentially about, you know, the record industry in, in general. Well, we, at first we were trying to do that, but then we realized it changes so quickly it's impossible <laughs> to do. Let me ask yeah. you. It really is. I mean, it changes so much that it's impossible to cover that for a movie. Let yeah. me ask you this. How much money do you think it would cost to make that documentary? Pull out your wallets, guys. Uh, what do we got? I think okay. I got a hundred bucks. Well, now, I, well, see, that's the thing is now it's sort of honestly now we're able to change it because when we first started, we were under the imp- the impression that we needed, you know, a real. Uh, we were going to shoot on the red. Well, we shot some stuff. We shot some footage up at a uh, in, in Sacramento, uh, and we had like a red camera, and we had a you know a very small crew, but we had a crew together and. We were doing it, and we shot some footage. It was like twenty thousand dollars, but mm-hmm. we got it. And we shot for three days, and we we're like, "Okay, that's great. That's the beginning of the movie." <laughs> yeah, red cams uh, can run you up. But now, uh, now with uh, the 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 Canon cameras, yeah, the five Ds and the seven Ds. Oh yeah, yeah, those are gorgeous. And we, the uh, are cheaper. Yeah, no, we're uh, we're hopefully going to be able to shoot the rest of the movie probably for that. That much money. That's awesome. Because yeah. I was saying you could go on to something like Kickstarter, and I yeah, bet, and I, I bet- thought about maybe doing. I thought about maybe doing that. That would actually be sort of an interesting way to do it, because the 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 thing that's that's so sort of fascinating. One of the reasons why Tower has been this thing that's constantly been been lurking for me is whenever I tell people about it, the people then begin to tell me their own personal relationships with the store, mm-hmm. and these aren't even people that worked at the store. These are the people that just went. You know, I was wearing a Tower Records pen at a party, and Robert Downey Jr. says, "Is that Tower Records pen?" I said, "Yeah." Oh my God, Don. he's but talking to me. Bigger than the pen, you're Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, and he just—is that a Robert Downey Jr. face? He started, he started telling me about you know when he was a kid, and he'd just sit around in a Tower Record. You know, I was like everybody, pretty much everyone I talk to when I tell them about it, they always start to sort of tell me. So I sort of I, I'm thinking as one of the one of the ways of maybe doing it. Is uh, because I just found out about this Kickstarter thing mm-hmm. like two weeks ago. Because a friend of mine has actually got a project that he's trying to trying to do, which is very cool. But uh, I figured, well, you know, there are enough people that worked at a Tower Records. You know, if we get maybe one or two of them to donate twenty five bucks, that could be a nice little source of income right there. For, yeah, Paul Tompkins. For the movie. Did well, Paul work at a? Paul worked at a, and he has an amazing bit about working there, and then uh, and and then Fabio, Fabio. coming in. <laughs> Fuck nuts! Well, yes. I haven't talked to him about yeah, that. You are never prepared to see Fabio. Yeah. Go get the album. Uh, I'm sorry, Paul, if you're listening, and I just did a bad impersonation. But like, yeah, he has a great story. Cake buff. Yeah, but just yeah, he worked there, and like you know, he talks about how it was a horrible place. Know, <laughs> oh my god, I, I want to talk to him. About it. It's not on. Oh no, it's, it's on, on the CDR. It's on the CDR compilation, the Comedy Death compilation, when he did it up in San Francisco. Because you know, because you know, you can do with. Kickstarter is that you know you can have levels so if someone yeah, donated, yeah, yeah. so if someone donated like a thousand bucks you could they you could put them in the documentary to tell their Tower Records story. Oh my God! Oh, I think you'd raise money like that. Yeah. Oh my God! 
Guys, thanks. <laughs> we are on the precipice of greatness. Thanks, thanks for just being the wall for me to bounce ideas off. Hey, just, I've <laughs> got a good idea for. now. I'm going to run with it. Let us be your idea hey, wall. Guys, can I be on the podcast again? I'm running short on some. But uh, I've, got, I've even got my Tower Records uh, oh, yeah, keychain that was given to me by Russ Solomon, the founder of Tower Records. That's wow. awesome. Dude, he started Tower Records in his dad's drugstore in the 40s. Wow. Wow. That's how Tower Records started. And then it just kind of went out with a whimper, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, well, it just it tried to hold on for a long time. I remember, I remember by the time I came to Hawaii, uh, where I'm where I'm from. Like uh, it was just it was already it was. Kinda... Oh well, mahalo, my friend. <laughs> oh, aloha. Um, get some more letters in your alphabet, Jonah. <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, yeah, there's uh, like, it, but by the time I was aware of it, it was already it was like the chain corporate record store. Um, yeah. And I, I never knew it had kind of such grounds, ground rootsy, you know. Beginning. Well, that's the really weird thing is that everyone sort of knows it as the sort of big chain, uh, which was actually sort of, you know, a good thing. That was sort of the success of it because it was the first really, truly worldwide chain that there weren't, you know, there were regional ones. You know, if you lived on the East Coast, it was like... Strawberries, Newberry and, Comics, yeah, Newberry Comics. Well, great, yeah. Newberry Comics, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like in terms of pretty much just you know known for music, strawberries like Sam Goody, strawberries and, and yeah. Sam Goodies. You know, it was Coconut, Coconut, Coconuts. Got it. Goody got it. Exactly. Goody got it. There was a exactly. Sam Goody in San Diego, like downtown San yeah. Diego, which I found. Sam but Diego. Tower was actually in pretty much almost every major city. There were eighty nine right. of them in the in the states, and there were over two hundred of them worldwide. Now, did he still own it at that point, or did he did he sell it at that point? He uh, he had to when they first went bankrupt. In 2004, I believe, he sold off the rights to Tower Records in Japan, which still exists and is very popular in Japan, Ah. um, which is something that he did not want to do. And then at that point... Yeah, let's keep it in America, guys. (laughs) At that point, he then... um, He was essentially no longer really truly in charge of the company because he had to sell some of it off and then banks got involved and then they didn't know how to run record stores and then it sort of... So that combined with natural... So you're saying that people that went into banking and had no training in the music business could not successfully run a music store? I don't know how that math works. This is is kind of awkward, though, that you're talking about this because I'm actually working on a documentary about Tower Video. I hope hope they don't... We might run into a couple of... You know what? Totally different point of view. Totally different point of view. Might have to merge. Are you in it? Are you you hosting the documentary? I'm not going to, like, host it. We're going to try and see if we can do it without hosting because I don't want to... I want to try, you know... We, we essentially we're, we're trying to find as many different ways to tell the story. Let me just let me just pitch this to you because you you care about it so much. Yes. That I feel like you would be an excellent organic host without seeming hosty. A, nar- a, a narrator. And, and, and like a, a narrator presenter, you know. But like you going around talking to people and you know just. I, I, I feel like I feel like it would be it would be interesting. You could be the Michael Moore of Tower Records. That's Michael Moore of Tower Records. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna go around. You know, we we we. I mean, years ago, we are we you know we already have a deal with with Russ in place, and and we you know once Russ sort of signed off, we were able to sort of talk with a bunch of his generals, and they all said, "Hey, look, we if you want to interview us, go right ahead. You know, we're we're ready whenever you are." So. 
I got a lot of interviews that I got to do, but um, right now it's just all about trying to find the the easiest way to do it. Because making a movie is not easy, and making a documentary is damn near fucking impossible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is not easy to make a movie, no, it turns out. not easy at all. I always said there's like three miracles with movies. And it's like proven even more true like in the, say, the last like five years. But like when you think about it, it is a miracle to get a movie made. For right off the bat. That, that in and of itself is a fucking miracle yep. <laughs> to get. You've got an idea. All right. That idea is good enough that you can sit down and write out that fucking idea. Mm -hmm. And then someone else says, this is a good idea. (laughs) I want to help you make this good idea. Flash forward to, you know, all of the other little sub miracles within the miracle of getting a movie made. One of which is, holy shit, it's not raining today. We can shoot that scene. Do you know what I mean? It is a fucking miracle to get a movie made. That's one. Second miracle is it's a miracle if anyone sees it, if anyone sees it, I mean, even if you're able to just screen your movie once, that's like a huge thing. Mm-hmm. We made it into it. the North Carolina Alter Boys Film Society. <laughs> my favorite. And, and, and you're so lucky. You're like, oh my God, I'm going to screen. For people you don't know. For people I don't yeah. know. I'm going to screen this movie for people I don't know. That's so great. It is a fucking miracle if anyone will see your movie. And then the third miracle, which is the most difficult of all, totally objective. It's a miracle if, if someone else thinks it's any good. <laughs> and actually tells other people, hey, you should see that movie. It's pretty fucking good. Yeah. Those three miracles, like, and if you catch all three, that's like lightning in a bottle. I, I always think, because I think this with television, you too. Like you do two miracles for sainthood. I always think it's <laughs> movies, it's three. <laughs> yeah, with movies, it's three. And the irony is... Nice is try, the Lord. Is the, the irony is, is that the miracle happens to maybe one movie every week. Mm-hmm. But think yeah. about how many movies are made that don't get to where that and is. And I think the other side of the miracle, because I, I think I say it on television all the time, like it's a miracle that any television shows ever get made. True. It is a miracle that, just on top of getting made, that they're any good because basically, like you going back to the process where you said someone reads your script and goes, hey, I think this is worth making. Yeah. Uh, I got about 20 people who work at this studio that would love to ruin this for you. Yeah. And oh, so God, it goes yeah. through so many different other channels that it's amazing to me that things like so many people have to agree on stuff as it goes through the process that that's where it's also amazing to me that things actually ever get made and don't just get stuck in development cul-de-sacs forever. Like the one of the, one of the things I read this year cuz was like we were the good guys shot for 9 months relatively under the radar out in Dallas so we didn't really have it was a very different kind of like TV sort of feeling and because mm-hmm. it, we are in fucking Dallas like there's <laughs> there's not like a big TV you know I mean there's I'm not saying I'm not disrespecting Dallas but you know and there were other shows that came through Dallas but it was just sort of different because we were so far removed from Los Angeles and the sort of Hollywood sort of oh yeah I thing. just performed in Addison I know, I know yeah, yeah so it's just very very different and that was one of the great things about it but um, one of the things I read that was actually really funny is that um all season long, there was this whole question of, you know, well, are we going to be on the air? Are they going to stay on the air? Are they going to pick us up? And whenever we were close to, say, like a premiere, then with 
amongst the crew there would be some crazy rumor like I hear we're gonna get picked up I hear we're gonna do this and it's like guys we're not even on like let the show be on TV first before we get there so that was like the the extent of it but one of the things I read which was really fucking funny and I, I, I wish I can remember who said it but it was a it was an executive who was talking about how is part of uh, Matt Nix was involved in the AFI uh, showrunner class and it was someone involved with that and he said that you know at no point has an executive said about a show that was cancelled we just didn't give them enough notes <laughs> we had just given if we had paid a little bit more attention and just gave them a little bit more notes that show really would have had a we shot saved it really would have had like a chance could have done it and with just in tra- talking about like my own personal experience that's the really strange thing I've noticed about television are the fucking notes because mm-hmm. Most of the stuff that I've ever done is single camera stuff, but the two times that I've done sitcom stuff, which, <clears throat> you know, on the whole, I want to say, oh, well, that sounds like a great gig. You know, you show up, you work nine to five, you shoot one night, that'll go pretty late. But you have, it's about as close to a nine to five as you can Three get. Three weeks on, one week off. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty ideal gig. I can't think of a more horrific way to try and make comedy. <laughs> it's so hard because you have a studio that's paying for the production and the network that's posting the production. And, and they you get just two sets of notes. And they just walk down in the middle of your week and just start telling you, you want to know what? What if he says this? And what if he says that? And what if she says that? More purple sweaters! And I swear, I remember... I mean, I've only done them twice, and I don't think I'll ever do it again until they... I mean, it would really be under really crazy special circumstances for me to sort of do it again. I just can't breathe in that kind of format to think that someone is going to come down and watch a dress rehearsal and say... This is what this is what I think he should say, and that person has no. With my marketing background, with my marketing background, I, I was feel, an assistant and my boss left, and now I'm head of development. Listen, so here's the deal: I'm a marketing executive, so let me just push my weight around. Here's the deal: she needs to be in tighter clothes, and I need to see more of her bosoms, if that's at all possible. What about that'll she, make the show funnier? That'll make the show funnier. He needs to either. Lose some weight or button that shirt up because that look that he's got going on right now is not going to work. Never mind his comedy delivery. I think he's got some work to do. <laughs> it's like the notes Homer gives on the Poochie episode. It's like, whenever Poochie's not there, the other character should be saying, hey, where's Poochie? Jeez. Oh, I mean, it's just... And it's strange because it's not like you don't get notes in movies. You do. But they can't give you notes about... Stuff, well, technically they can, but it can't really give you notes on stuff that you've already shot, mm-hmm. uh, which is a bonus, you know. But then again, uh, if you are just making your movie, you are witnessing a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> when it gets made, then people like it. Yeah. I, I liked, I met uh, Jenny Wade, came on Attack of the Show. Uh, she's fucking hilarious. She's hilarious. She is, I, she is genuinely hilarious. Genuinely one of the funniest people I've ever met. Has absolutely no filter. 
<laughs> she's no she really has no filter she will say stuff and my jaw will be on the floor going you what <laughs> really wow bold that's a spicy jenny wade right there <laughs> she will there's no um uh, uh there's no uh there's no hold bars but she kind of she has she has that same kind of comedy brain she does that uh you know that's that so many comedians that I that I like actually you know they have where it's just like it's just kind of like you said wow you just I was looking straight ahead you just broadsided me from over completely. here I did not see that coming oh completely and it was uh, we actually shared the same manager and so I had been hearing about Jenny for a long time and then she came in and read for the show when we were casting and just based on just her acting ability I was like she's great she's really funny she's 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 sharp. You know, you guys should probably cast her. I think she's really good. And they did. And then it wasn't until I got a chance to really, like, hang out with her. She's, you know, with the exception of my wife, probably one of the coolest ladies I've ever met. You know, and, she, and she's fucking hilarious. And even her tweets, her, have you read her tweets? You yeah, yeah, yeah. I follow her, yeah. It's half the stuff I go, oh, my God, I would never say, I would never say that. <laughs> I would for shame Jenny Wade. She's got a uh, she's got the knack. She definitely has a knack, and she's one. I think she's funnier than. Um, well, it's not a it's not a competition, but I, I think she's no, it's an intense competition. I think she's just as funny, if not funnier, than a majority of the you know incredibly attractive women that are also funny mm-hmm. uh, that are out. Yeah, and apparently, <laughs> according to <laughs> magazines, those are the only funny women. Oh, those right, are the hottest. Apparently, friends. to the magazines. Yep. Four. Yeah. They found the four. There's four. Yeah. There's four. I'm saying Jenny's number five. Well, I like to... <laughs> she was on the other fold out of that Vanity Fair. I like to... I mean, listen, I, my comedy Bible is Maxim. And um, <laughs> I just feel like they really get me as a dude. I mean, we're all dudes. We love sports and punching each other in the nuts and Don't pouring beer on... Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Titties! What? what? Oh, we can't show... Oh, okay. okay. Never mind, Dr. Dre's coming up Dr. soon. Dr. Dre will be right out. Yeah. Dr. Dre will be right out. No, Jenny Wade's hilarious. And I, um, uh, you know, I actually sort of felt bad because I felt that she was sort of underutilized on our show in terms of uh, her comedy chops. Play more of a straight character. Yeah, I mean, our show is kind of hard because there was sort of... It was a hard line to dance on um, in terms of what was what we could get away with comedy-wise and what we had to do sort of straight. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think we really sort of were able... We were able to sort of figure it out a little bit towards the end of the season, but then uh, Fox sort of sort of canceled us? They kind of canceled us? They, 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 In that they've told Dallas Film Commission that we're not coming back, but they... <laughs> but not you guys. But not us specifically. <laughs> And Maybe not, and they won't Dallas. actually make an announcement because they want to just, you know, have it be like, oh yeah, good guy, yeah, that's not coming. That's back so anymore. it's yeah. so weird how this business works that you know, like uh, Joan and I work on a show together, and sometimes we'll find out that the show has been picked up from like the graphics department. Yeah, yeah. like oh yeah, we got we got more. Yeah, it's the post department saying it's like yeah, they're gonna we have to do this stuff for you guys to go HD. Wait, <laughs> so what? They're coming back. Why are we telling? Okay, yeah, we're not. So they told us not to prepare anything. So you guys are done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah what? Exactly. It's weird. I mean, every everything with the good guys was was ass backwards. I mean, from the very beginning, it was because we were sort of like an experiment and. Um, 
from the very beginning. Well, we didn't have a pilot. We would just went straight to series, just oh, 13 wow. right out the gate, which was really fabulous because it sidestepped a lot of, you know, oh, will we or won't we? And right. the pilot's really great. And <laughs> Maybe we'll see you, you know. Um, but it was really strange because we got picked up and we were going to be on in the summer. And then before we even premiered in the summer, they picked us up for the fall. And we're like, great, fabulous. But then they announced it, that we were going to be on Fridays starting in the fall. But we haven't premiered in the summer on Wednesdays yet. Or okay, okay. So it's just everything was just sort of super, super, super scattershot. And essentially now it's it's pretty much the same thing. And they're kind of just not wanting to... And I can understand it. I completely understand it. They're not wanting to announce that the show didn't do what they wanted it to do. You know why they probably didn't give enough notes? <laughs> probably didn't give. <laughs> they enough didn't notes. give enough notes. Something they going. If only I justified my job. Like, <laughs> if only I a little bit more. Yes. If I could just go. If I could just walk onto a set of people who are in a business I don't really work in and yeah. tell them how to be funny. But that's actually one of the reasons why I'm sort of really stoked to be doing all this podcast stuff. Is just to be able to sort of be. I mean, even just going and doing like the comedy death ray podcast to be able to just do comedy mm-hmm. that is not of any there is no fil- there are no notes there no one's going to tell you that you can't do stuff there is no defined role because pretty much everything i have to do is it's not even straight man straight man doesn't yell and scream shit <laughs> there's in the i would say since Something about Mary, the straight man turned into, okay, we just need a straight man-ish character who goes through enough crazy shit that eventually he screams and yells. Right. And then that's the resolution of our film. That's pretty much what straight man has Straight man going crazy. We as an audience realize that he's just as crazy as everybody else. Therefore, no real guidelines. Yeah. And then the crazy people think that he's crazy. That's pretty much what it's like devolved to. So just to be able to come and do other stuff like that is really nice. Well, there's no, there's no, there's no question that you're going to be A-OK, Colin Hanks. I really hope you do this documentary. I really, I mean, if you need any... You know, like we'll if you do the Kickstarter thing, let us know, and we'll we will remind people that they yeah, can go man, on no, to, that'd be to, great. to Kickstarter and, and do it. So, uh, what other stuff is? What, what do you have anything else coming up, like uh, work wise? Are you going to take a break? Well, uh, no. I mean, right now it's really I'm kind Are you of just like waiting on word from the Dallas Film Commission. Waiting on word from the Dallas <laughs> Film Commission. Colin Hanks hits the Dallas Film Commission. Guns in the background. No, really, right now um, I don't know. Right now it's sort of uh, I'll write out. Uh, I know this is going to air in the new year. Early in the new year. I'll, I'll write out the uh, the holidays and sort of. You know, I'm kind of. Back to the this is the actor grind. That's sort of great. All right, I worked nine months. Great, fabulous. I'm unemployed now. Now what? God damn it! That's so it's that's so weird about our business. Like we're such uh, we're such like weird kind of uh, I don't know freelance contractors. Well, no, we're freelance contractors, but in the sense, I mean, it's uh, I know I don't want to say gypsy. It's sort of like it's sort of like a Roma culture. You don't want to. Gypsy. No, but no, but, but it is. Like, gypsy you, actually works. I, I always the, the the thing I always describe it because I got a lot of friends that are not in the entertainment industry at all, and they're constantly going like, "What's it like?" I go, "If you really want to break it down, a film crew is like a circus comprised of groups of people that cannot be 
more unlike each other in any way, shape, or form. And you get really close over yes. a really short period of time, and you think you're going to be BFFs forever, and then a lot of those people, you may not see them again for 10 years, like, we worked on that thing. Totally. It's and such it's, a weird existence. And it's really funny, whenever I hear someone go like, oh, man, he's one of them actor types. They don't deal with real people. I'm like, really? Have you met a Teamster? Yeah. You met a fucking team. They're pretty real on location. Pretty real because like all the, the teamsters that I've met in Iowa and Texas, if those aren't real people, I don't know. I I, I don't know. Who, <laughs> I don't know who real is. I don't know what that means anymore. But yeah, I'm back to uh, the sort of unemployment thing where I don't quite know what the next thing is, and I really want it to be something great and something good and. If uh, it's just something shitty that pays well, yeah, that'll work too. <laughs> That's fine too, <laughs> I suppose. There's nothing there's, wrong with that. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a business still. It um, is a business still. You gotta. Yeah. You gotta make. You gotta. There's make the money. things you tell your friends about, and then there's things you just do for money. Yeah. You're, you're a businessman. I always like that business when when rappers be like. Well, you know, I got all this other stuff going because I'm a businessman. Like, wait, so you're just saying you like to make money? Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're like everyone. Everyone well, is technically a, a businessman. By nature of our species, we're businessmen because yeah. we have to. Straight up. We, we need money to survive and we want to make as much of it as possible. Yeah. There's a five yard penalty for giving me the business. Giving you the business. <laughs> you're not that <laughs> kind of businessman. Giving him the business. He's giving him the business. Giving him the business. But yeah, so I'm going to, you know, go back to that. What it is, I really, truly don't know because things. Uh, Things have changed so much in the last five or six years. Mm -hmm. It's really, um, I really genuinely don't know if it's going to be like a movie or if it's going to be a TV show or a TV movie or a TV movie or what the involvement of, if it'll be more than just acting in it or trying to actually. Do you have like an ultimate thing, like besides the Tower documentary, do you have an ultimate thing? That if you didn't have like because Howard Documentary, you is gonna you know you got to go out and produce it, you got to yeah. make it. If if someone was to just hand you a project and say, Colin, it's the president of Hollywood calling. You're a businessman. Leah Thompson needs work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you produced you produced a movie a while back, right? Uh, yeah, I produced a movie called RX many many moons ago, um, and then was sort of uh, very closely involved in getting Buck Howard off the ground which was not as many moons ago but still a few moons ago it's um, a fun watch it's a real fun watch that it, yeah thanks man um yeah. yeah so for me now it's i don't know i mean i've got a couple of different ideas for possible uh, tv shows but to uh, again it to actually sit down and and but do you want to do you want to be like a do you want to be like a like uh like leading guy movie actor, or do you want to be like you know? Well, I'm kind, I'm I'm content being the funny guy, like the funny guy in the movie. Like, is there any specific thing that you want to see yourself do? I don't know. It's it's always the hardest thing. It's like whenever someone says like, what you know, when the agents go like, all right, so what do you see yourself yeah. doing? <laughs> what are you asking me for? What did you I, go do your job? Yeah, yeah, I honestly really don't have an answer for that. It's the exact same thing of like, what's your favorite? Movie, I can't really do that because I have different Transformers, nineteen eighty. Transformers, <laughs> the animated Transformers. The animated Transformers. Um, I got so many different um, moods. You know, like would I like to be able to be that super sexy leading man? Yeah, sure. But I gotta go to the gym for five hours a <laughs> that day. That is work. That's fat, gonna happen. Fat, fat. That is it's gonna be a lot of work. Um, a lot of work. Uh, really, I think more than anything else. Uh, 
I just want to be able to do stuff that I'm really super genuine, genuinely excited about and don't really have any reservations as to whether I can make it work, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. I think there's so much, so much of the stuff that I've done is really sort of the the main, the first thing you have to deal with is like, okay, how the fuck are we going to make this work? Like, how is this, how can we make this better than what it is? And I, again, I don't mean any disrespect with anyone that I've worked with before, but there just comes, you know, there's so many, again, it's like all the different miracles. There's so many factors in trying to make something really good. Mm -hmm. You know, you're constantly just going like, fuck, how do I make this, you know, better and without stepping on anyone's toes or being making anybody uncomfortable. I think what I would like to do is be able to go, fuck, how can I make this good and not worry about upsetting anyone because all I'm going to be doing is, you know, stepping on my own feet. Right. Uh, So I guess that is coming up with my own stuff and writing my own stuff and sort of helping trying to get that stuff made. Um, I guess, I don't know. I mean, it's sort of, at this stage, I sort of feel like in, in this day and in this day and age, anyone can sort of do anything. There are very few excuses anymore. Yeah, no, they're not, they're not. Well, I don't know how to get, well, yes, all the technology is very inexpensive and you can edit it yourself and you could, you know. Computers come with it now. (laughs) (laughs) Steve Jobs literally is telling you. All you got to do is learn it. That's all you got to do. But like, so, you know, between that and the really sort of the, quite honestly, the proof is that, you know, people just do it and then they get it done. And and the more and more they do it, the better they get at it, you know. And I think, like, when I started, this is going to be a super cheeseball fucking example, but I think it's, I think it's true. Go that, remember, I, to, I talked about how I showed a girl Transformers, the animated movie. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, so then this, is, this is great. But, uh, you know, when I started out, uh, acting was, like, around the time that uh, uh, Good Will Hunting came out. And that was, like, a prime example of, like, two guys that had been working their asses off trying to get careers going that wasn't going anywhere. And they just said, fuck it. We'll do it ourselves. Yeah. Worked out pretty well. Yeah, for... those cats are wicked smart. They're <laughs> wicked smart. You know, I mean, it's a lame example, but it's... It's, it's a good it's, example, it's, though. It's, 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 it's a good one because it's that, you know, that is... Uh, those two dudes just if only it worked for Mini Driver. If only if only it worked and for the Mini Driver guy from the bar. You guys, we're gonna write the sequel. It better, worked, better Will Hunting. It worked really, really <laughs> good Apples. for 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 Matt Damon, and then it worked good for for Ben Affleck, and then and then, and then he pissed it away. And then he got it back. <laughs> he got it back. Yeah, yeah the town was and good. He got it back. The town was really fucking good. Yeah, I just we just watched that the other night. That's yeah. an extremely enjoyable film. I am a I am a Ben Affleck fan, and I have actually always been a Ben I Affleck mean, I think fan. It's hilarious, and uh, I, and I think I think he's finally from what I saw over the years was like ah he's just trying to find the thing like he's just trying to find and 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 I always thought he was great, and I think he's re, I think he's found I think he's going to do it. I mean I think he's yeah, going to be like I think he figured it out. Yeah. He's he's fucking great. But you know what's so funny about Goodwill Hunting also helping out uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon also helped out Mindy Kaling in a weird way. Because yes, she wrote, she wrote right. Matt and Ben, the play that was making fun of them. That's right. And that's what got her noticed by Steve Martin and brought her that's out right. to L.A. 
That's true. Yeah. So it helped out a lot more people. Than and just now when I see Minnie Kaling's career, out. I go, really? The, the girl who did the fucking play about Goodwill Hunting has got, she's a producer? She has a production deal? She has a production deal? I mean, yes, she's funny, but fuck. Come on. Yeah, yeah. We have her on. We got another. You know, uh, Miriam, a PA from or an AP from uh, or the show we work on, uh, was like a PA with uh, Mindy Kaling when and like when she wrote that play. That's oh, awesome. really? And she's like, "Hey, I need to take some time off because I'm going to do this play thing." Everyone's like, <laughs> "Good luck." She's fucking funny, man. Yeah, she's great. She's really yeah. We have her on the show. Well, Colin, we're almost we're pretty much at the end of our our hour. Or Wait, so. no. In in my experience, podcasts don't have endings. And go on for two hours. If you do the Kevin Pollack show. No, the comedy Death Ray one went for two hours. Oh, it did go for two hours? The problem is you want to talk to people for two hours. I always just feel like, ah, the listeners probably have an hour-ish on their commute. And that's when they, that's when they listen. Yeah. Gives us more reason to bring people back. Yeah. Uh, Colin Hanks 2, coming back in six months. Well, we have to because part of the sequel is now that we're friends, <laughs> we have to fight crime as friends. Yep. We will fight crime. Yes, yeah. yes. Now that fight the Soviets as friends? The is Soviets. We're going to fight the USSR. And we're the, the guys USSR. in the computer room, like, you know, pushing our chairs back from one computer, going to the next one, telling you where the, you know, the ducks But we don't the... know where the USSR was anymore. Does oh, anyone man. have a map? <laughs> CH plus CH vs USSR. <laughs> <laughs> well, so people X. people can follow you uh, at uh, Colin Hanks on on the tweets with the underscore Colin in between the names underscore Hanks. Uh, <laughs> did some other fuckwad get Colin Hanks? Yeah, and he's been squatting on it for ages. The, Twitter would should just give that to you. Uh, the whole Twitter thing was very strange because I got on it and then and people ask me how I verified I just at that stage I just went hey publicist that I pay a shit ton of money to <laughs> yeah verify me on Twitter <laughs> I know you want to charge me for every fax and message that goes out if you're going to be charging me so much money fucking get me verified <laughs> on Twitter and they did which is great and what I should have done is said hey get that fuck nut on Colin Hanks and get him off and put me on I, I but my name is Colin Hanks and I live in the Midwest I don't care <laughs> I work at a post office I oh, I just the simple fact that I got on Twitter alone is like a minor miracle because <laughs> I was so anti it for so yeah, long yeah it took me a long time but now I'm like my wife just is so disappointed in me <laughs> she's wrote, so disappointed I wrote a whole like cartoon like a cartoon I was writing on I wrote a whole cartoon about how much I hated it and how dumb it was and then uh, just Chris was like, "You should just try it, though. I think you'd have fun." And then I got into it. It is. It's fun. It's awesome. It's yeah. fun. And anyone and like all those people, like my girlfriend Janet wasn't on it for two years, and then she finally just got on it. Yeah. She seems to like it. She no, fell asleep. She actually fell what? asleep. She's sleeping. She she's fell sleeping? asleep. We we put her to bed. She's probably got headphones on. We put her to bed. She's she's, like, she's tuned us way the fuck out. Don't want to hear any more of these. She was tired of, of googling fucking, everything we got wrong. Oh, yeah. I don't want to hear what these guys are talking about anymore. She's tired of hearing about all the titties I saw at the Dr. Dre concert. Nothing. Nothing. Are you uh, you're coming to San Francisco for? The I will be coming to San Francisco for Sketchfest. Yeah, I don't know if I'll be there for Thrilling Adventure Hour. Oh no, I'm doing I'm doing the podcast the next weekend. Oh, the last weekend, the very last weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Closing it right, guys. A little Closing meltdown it. show. A little nervous podcast. Yeah, I'm just wait. I just figured like I'll wait until you know Thrilling Adventure Hour does something cool. I go to Sketchfest and then I'll then I'll hop on the train. Nice. <laughs> you got on at the right time, I my friend. I hopped on the train at the exact right time. I know Busy Phillips is going to go like, really? 
been doing this for how long? And all of a sudden you show up, you're riding the train to San Francisco. Great. <laughs> but it's like with busy, it's so interesting. Cause like even just, we're just like walking out to the, to where everyone parked and this goddamn paparazzi. Like was really, there you guys for, were just waiting out in back of Largo to stalk for, this poor girl. Waiting, waiting for busy. Yeah. Oh my God! It's someone who knows one of the people from Friends. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, get your cameras. Actually, wait a minute. I know that we're supposed to be wrapping up, but it's fine. I remember specifically because I went to school with Busy. We mm-hmm. we we were an item in college back <gasps> in the day, and I remember when we both got jobs at the same time. She got Freaks and Geeks, and I got Roswell at the same time. Right. And I remember going with her. To a place like a hookah bar in Westwood. The Gypsy Cafe. The Gypsy Bringing Cafe. It back. Oh, shit. Yeah. And seeing you do stand-up there. That was a long time ago. And the reason why we went was because little Seth Rogen. That was, was the night Seth went up. And yeah, yes, yes. It was his first like stand-up in L.A. He hadn't like been doing any stand-up in L.A. Yes, that's right. And he hooked that up through Linda Cardellini, who I had just done a show with. Ah, and so that's how that's how that all tied uh, together. Oh my god! I totally yeah. The Gypsy Cafe was so much fun. That was a crazy place. It really was. That's where I pretty much started. I mean, like I did stand up in college and then took a bunch of years off. But the Gypsy Cafe is where I restarted doing stand up in 1998, and it was like the the landscape of comedy at the Gypsy Cafe. That fucking open mic was like. Was like it was like Galifianakis and Bamford and Patton and and Paul 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 F was also more of a Largo guy, but just like that that core group of people that went through there. That I mean, it was just like a goddamn grenade of people <laughs> that would eventually go off and and do wonderful things. Fucking unbelievable in in the field of comedy. And Seth Rogen has beat them all. He really did. <laughs> fucking the kid from Canada beat the them kid, all. The, yeah. the, the, the stoner kid with the chuckle. Yeah. Like beat everyone. Who's now in, in, in awesome shape. In, green in crazy yeah. awesome shape. See? You gotta go to the it's gym worked, for five dude. hours. You want $20 million a picture, you gotta fucking go to the gym. Fuck. Uh, unless you're Jack Black. Although yeah. Jack kind of Jack got in good shape. Pretty good, decent shape too. Yeah. But then he gained it back a bit and got started doing more movies again. Well, when you sleep on a bed of money, it's kind of hard. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's lumpy. Yeah. It's like it's they poke you in the yeah. back. You don't want to get out of bed. It's so comfy. No. <laughs> like, ah, I'm going to stay in for a little while longer and count these ducats. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just wanted to say that. I That's really awesome. I hope I had a good set. Was it a yeah, good set? Did. Okay, you did. All right. I, I, I think a lot of my comedy back then is just being awful. But uh, but that's fine. No, I specifically remember you and I remember Seth. Those were sort of the, the two that stuck out. Fun times. And did you ever think someday we're all, we're going to do a podcast together? Did you what's, think, a podcast? what's a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> what's a podcast? Yeah. Someday a thing's going to be invented. <laughs> a digital radio show, if you will. A pod? Yeah, I don't even know what that is. A pod? What's a pod? I don't know. Like to, a pod people? Pod people. <laughs> I still can't believe that this is what this is all the stuff you need to make a podcast. You it's can just shock it, but we can't can just believe it either. <laughs> tried to do it on the iPhone once, didn't work Did out. You? Had Did to you? Redo, tried had to, to redo that episode with Kevin Pollack. Really? Yeah. Because yeah, I when I said because his was the first that I did. That's I mean that one's on fucking TV. They yeah. they filmed that one. And uh and I was fully expecting it to just be, you know, the iPhone. <laughs> you know. 
And I think as soon as I see that one, that's when I'm going to be like, okay, I don't think I'm going to be doing any more podcasts. I don't want to go to some dude's house and speak into his phone yeah. for 45 minutes. Let's just yeah. crowd around. Just crowd around. Yeah. Let's, just, yeah. Let's get right exactly. here. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. I got to take this call. Um, thank you for having me. Thanks, Colin. Uh, the end. Enjoy your burrito. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say no more burrito. I hit this. Now leaving Nerdist.com. I feel like I was blindsided. Because it's a competition show. From the producers of Jury Duty and The Bachelor. We have scoured the earth for the 14 greatest reality contestants that were available during our production window. Comes a reality competition show about reality competition shows. Nobody has dared to find out who is the actual best at just being on a reality show. I'm your host, comedian Daniel Tosh. Is winner go home. Each episode, our contestants will face new challenges that will test their strength and lack of life skills for a chance to win two hundred million dollars. $200,000. Prepare, because it's about to be ugly crying. Lots of fighting. Tasha, I have to defend myself. Celebrating 25 years of reality TV with your favorites. I have diarrhea. You cannot do this to me. What in gay hell have I got myself into? The Goat, premiering on Freebie and Prime Video on May 9th.